Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, and we're sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, joined again by Ziggy Rodriguez, our co-host, wingman. Glad you're here. That's me. That's me. Say it. Very good. (laughs) Appreciate you doing that. Glad you're here. And you know, we're also, uh, we're joined by uh, two uh, of the sisters of the Benedictines of Mary, Queen of Apostles. Uh, They're uh, in Gower, Missouri, and uh, amazing things have happened of recent, of late. Uh, Now, if you're... If you're dead to the world, you didn't know about this. But if you just pay any attention at all, something remarkable uh, has taken place. And so that's caused lots of attention here. And so uh, I think, uh, you know, I think one in one weekend you went from like hardly anybody visiting to like 50,000 yes. <laughs> people showed up. Uh, you know, and there is that there is that uh, the Benedictine uh, the rule of Saint Benedict about being uh, welcoming strangers, right? And you had a lot of strangers. Uh, I'm sure it tapped the resources just a little bit. A little bit, but we say that we are supposed to welcome the guests as Christ. That's Amen. what it says in the rule of Saint Benedict. So. We can say, oh, Christ wants us to just hide and pray, but no, not in this case. His will was that we share Sister Wilmina with the world. So we welcome God's will in that, and we welcome Christ in our visitors. Amen, and it's a beautiful thing, and everyone is welcome uh, to come and visit, and we can see uh, Sister Wilhelmina when we show up. Uh, We we, we, uh, paid her a visit right off the bat, and it was such a lovely uh, experience. Uh, So we have Sister Scholastica here. Uh, who uh, joined us in our last uh, episode talking about this. And she has brought with her Sister Misericordia, which is such um, uh, another lovely sister. But interestingly, you're blood sisters. Yes, we are. Yeah, <laughs> right. So she now, couldn't get away from me. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Well, it's just beautiful to have sister sisters, you know. And it's just there's something about that. And I think, Sister Scholastica, didn't you tell me that there are other, uh, there are other blood sisters here in this, in this order? We actually have seven sets of blood sisters in the community. That's incredible. It's, it is, it's beautiful, though, because it makes sense. Our spirituality is so much based around that of the family, so it only stands to reason that if one sister is called to follow the Lord, that another one might follow. Well, three of my nine kids are girls, and I know sometimes sisters can squabble, but you know what? The reality is there is a, there's a love between sisters that is just uh, uh, it's supernatural. It's just something that's really beautiful. So it's beautiful that you get to... Exercise your love for Jesus uh, and Mary uh, here at at this uh, beautiful Abbey, uh, but also as sisters. That's true. Yeah. So, all right. Now, so let's talk a little bit about Sister Wilhelmina. You know, we we had like so the last show was a sort of a general kind of historical perspective, and I think it was very interesting. We learned lots of stuff about um who, what she was born into who she was what she developed and blossomed into be uh, the order that she founded and all these things it was marvelous but like the sisters that knew her right because the, one of the first things i think that when uh sam here showed up on site he was like uh so did you know her you know what did what did you think right it's Everyone the burning question yes. so many people did you know her Yes. Yeah. And one sister answered, "Oh yes, I actually helped her. You helped her? Yes, I brushed her teeth." <laughs> <laughs> so then 
they treat that next sister as a relic, you know? <laughs> well, maybe, but I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering if that sister, like, kept the toothbrush. Did she keep the toothbrush? <laughs> oh, no, we're not going to. We don't want to. We talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> Save everything. That's right. Save it all. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a beautiful notion. And it's, you know, it's, it's also interesting that a lot of people don't recognize the, the beauty and the gift is to care for someone. Especially someone who's important to you. We uh, just recently, I lost my mother um, on the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe a year and a half ago. And, but she had moved in with me for, for two years. Uh, and that was really, it was difficult. It was really difficult. But there was something beautiful about just the daily care. And that's something in America we, we've kind of forgotten. But you, you sisters had that opportunity here with what you probably were figuring like, this, this sister is very special. Oh, definitely. Most and, definitely. And you knew her as a mother, right? Yes. Right, as the foundress. Um, what was it like, though, to care for your mother in her time where she really was depending on you? I mean, she was. And it was really very beautiful because the the sisters who would be assigned to t- take care of her were called Sister Wilhelmina's angels. But there was oh. this general understanding between us uh, that the angel was Sister Wilhelmina. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but such a privilege to be able to take care of her uh, and really interact with her on a minute-by-minute basis and really just see the, the beauty of, of, of her soul and to care for her and to see how she lived out her Benedictine vocation all the way to the end as much as she could, as closely as she could. Even if she had to go take a nap or had to go take a snack, she would do it out of obedience. But you could tell she wanted to fast like the rest of us and she wanted to come to all the offices like everybody else. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. And, and again, you know, there's this lovely notion, uh, you know, in our spirituality as, as Catholics talking about like, uh, imagining uh, sitting at the foot of an apostle, right? And just, and just taking in every bit of wisdom, even in the brushing of the teeth, right? Even in those, <laughs> those moments, there's, there's some, something to be learned, something to be gained. Uh, so that's a, what a great grace that you guys, you had the opportunity to do. But you know, another thing is she really didn't lord her position over anyone. For so long, she even obscured the fact that she was the foundress of the order. And sometimes... And, at least in one conversation I had with her, we were speaking about whether she liked the title mother or not. And she said, I like sister. Wow. Because she saw herself as a sister to the community, and she didn't want to put herself in a place of competition to the current authority. And she really submitted to our, our new superior, Mother Abba Cecilia, as if she had always been her mother. And here she was at least 50 Six years, her, her junior, yeah, and taking orders from her. Wow! Whenever she came into the room, she would say, oh, "There's our mother abbess." Oh, <laughs> that is awesome! And treat her like a queen. Yeah, that's a pressure, though. It was one of my favorite memories of her, and and we were all just in tears, was the very momentous day when our our community was raised to be an abbey, and our, the church was consecrated, the abbey church was consecrated, a big, long, beautiful ceremony, and then the next day, Mother Cecilia was consecrated as the first abbess. And Sister Wilhelmina had never been abbess. She was only just the superior of the community. So it was kind of a raised level. And just that moment at the end of the ceremony after Reverend Mother had been consecrated as abbess, we all went forward to put our hands in hers as a sign of our obedience. And um, really just kind of almost like a congratulatory moment there. But Sister Wilhelmina, Mother Cecilia went to her in her wheelchair. And they just gave each other an embrace that was just so moving, so beautiful. 
beautiful, we were all in tears. And I looked out in the congregation, and everyone was in tears. Even even the imagine. men, they were pulling out their handkerchiefs, and I thought, yeah, we, we are too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're witnessing moment. a moment. Yeah, and so you you like you move into that moment. Really, How it, was, it was so especially beautiful because it was like the com- the full blossoming of what Sister Wilhelmina had begun as the community. Here she had this thriving community, beautiful complex church abby abbess like everything had blossomed and so then it was time for her to go home to her bridegroom so it was only a few months later that she 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 went home to jesus oh that's beautiful and you know i love uh, this notion that you were talking about that she would even obscure the, the you know her being the foundress and that so that sense of humility even to the end uh, is something beautiful. And I, I remember Sister Scholastica, you had mentioned that she had wanted to take the name, like to uh, be named after John the Baptist. And I just think of him saying, I must decrease and he, he must, must increase. increase. Yeah, there's, that, that sounds like that. Her, that's part of who she is or was. Definitely. Yeah, how beautiful. No, it's okay. So, we'll, so um, just so you know, uh, if occasionally you might hear a noise in the background, uh, they're, the, the sisters are hard at work. Someone's out there on some kind of backhoe or something. Sister, I don't know who it is, what sister's out there, but you all do all the work out here, and it's beautiful. Uh, so if we see somebody going by on a riding lawnmower, we might hear it, uh, and that's okay. That's perfectly okay as long as we know that's, that's what we're doing. So what are some, uh, some, what are some stories that would, might give people a little bit of insight into Sister Wilhelmina? Well, one of we were talking about her name a moment ago, and it wasn't until, I don't know, a few years before she died that we were going around the circle introducing ourselves to a visitor, and, you know, we have done, we do this hundreds of times. And, and you love it every time. And we love it every time. Yes. And the guests love it every time. Well, Sister Wilhelmina decided this time she was going to try something that she had never tried before on the visitor and on all of us. And she said, I'm Sister Wilhelmina. I've a hell of a will, and I mean it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, sister, where did that come from? (laughs) You know, at a certain age, we all like we all just acquire the right to say what we have to say. You know, maybe there's a little more decorum as we're younger, right? But it sounds like sister, you know, she was very comfortable where she was, and she was comfortable in letting you know. Now, there's, it sounds like there's a little playfulness and a little oh, yes. joy in her life as well. Are there, is that what people thought of, of her here? Oh, yes, definitely. She was so full of life and so much fun. And I think that's something we all have this tendency to think of saints or incorruptibles as these plaster statues that always have their hands folded. And that wasn't Sister Wilmina. She was alive. She loved life. So she didn't levitate as she walked <laughs> no. from, from place to place. Uh, and it wasn't like this sort of angelic choir singing a high C as she no. as she moved past. No, sometimes when the angels, her novice helpers, would come in, she would ask them, "Do you have any new jokes for me?" Because she wanted to tell everyone a new joke at recreation. <laughs> so full of stories and song, she loved to sing. And, and I'm not just talking about. I mean, of course, she loved the beautiful sacred music and chant and everything. But she knew all the old songs, and she would break into nothing could be fine than to be in Carolina in the morning, <laughs> things like that. Well, so it sounds like she was a, there, I mean, she's, she sounds like she was a human being, mm-hmm. right? In the fullest sense of that. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah, she really was one of the early stories from back when she was with the fraternity of St. Peter and helping with their seminary was that they had a talent show. 
And they called her onto the stage and were expecting her to play something very pious because she she sat down (laughs) at the the organ. And she broke into some gospel song and was singing at the top of her lungs. And they were all dying laughing because they were all expecting, you know, some traditional hymn. (laughs) Maria or something. (laughs) Oh, beautiful. So now... uh, in those kind of settings, as you recall, you, rec- you remember these little moments and these things like that. What kind of effect did she have? Because she would probably, she doesn't, I know Sister Wilhelmina is uncomfortable with this question. But what kind of effect did she have on the sisters? Like, like are, there, are there things that the sisters learned from her and realized in what she valued and what, or, you know, in her relationship with the Lord, like in able, being able to pattern themselves either after Sister Wilhelmina or examples that she, that she would set? I mean, most, most importantly, and this has come across loud and strong, especially with the fact that her whole habit is incorrupt, is she took her spousal vocation so seriously. Jesus was her bride. Jesus was everything for her. And that was very clear on a day-to-day basis that Jesus was the great love of her life. And, you know, going back and reading her testimony from throughout her life, her discernment and her following the Lord and his path for her throughout her life, a very difficult path, um, that it didn't matter because Jesus was everything for her. And what he wanted is what she wanted because he was her bridegroom. And we could really see that in her life it wasn't, just this pious fantasy of hers but to see it as a real way of life to be embraced with quiet joy and I think that's something we could all see it wasn't something that was meant to be stagnant it was meant to be living but at the same time the silence with which she embraced it showed its power she was really enamored of Christ and happy just to be contemplating him in in his glory uh, rather than any kind of show she right. didn't put on any show. She was, she was happy with him. She was happy to be who she was and happy to see herself as not only a child of God, but a bride of Christ. And that was everything to her. You know, Deacon Jeff and I, we arrived yesterday right before Vespers, and I noticed the spousal dimension of your vocation expressed with, we could see that our Lord, the statue of our Lord, the crown of thorns, um, and the sisters as they stop by every single one of them you could see there was there was that that spousal moment they were stopping in the presence of the bridegroom and receiving him and allowing themselves to be received by him uh in his suffering you know and uh and his humanity um and also in his lordship and it, it just came across so clearly and it was one after another as as the sisters were making their way into uh uh, the the uh, the church uh, for for vespers and so I can see how that that effect is definitely loud and clear uh, among you and so community. obviously Sister Wilhelmina lived that right you're saying she lived that and I love yes. I know you, you mentioned briefly and we'll talk about it in more detail but that her her habit her habit was the, was the, uh, the, was the remarkably bed. intact right yeah. was just preserved after four years and I, I want to be clear that. She wasn't uh, buried in a stone vault and a con- you know concrete vault with a, a fancy expensive coffin. It was like a pine box kind of a deal. No, and that's one thing that even the coroners and doctors who did come to examine her, they said, the body is remarkable. The habit is inexplicable. And then, wow. That's beautiful. Yeah, we'll talk more <laughs> about that. Uh, and again, it sounds like uh, it's just perfectly natural for the life that she lived and for the relationship with Jesus that she had uh, to that degree. Now, we, we mentioned also in the last show uh, that Sister Wilhelmina is, was, 
lived as an African American, right? And and uh, it's just interesting all the difficulties that she might have encountered uh, naturally, even within the church, in, in the context of being Catholic. Uh, and and what what parish are you allowed to worship at? What orders are you allowed to belong in? And there's such a beautiful um, uh, example that she that she went through this. And on the other end of it, it's like, well, I'm starting an order, you know. And there's something beautiful uh, about that. Uh, it took a lot for her to start an order, right? Especially at her age. Yes, it's true. And and I think one of the constants of Sister Wilmina's life is she never bore resentment. From the segregated childhood she had to the difficulties she encountered in religious life all the way up to her death, she never held anything against anyone. You know, I think that reminds me of somebody. I'm thinking, who? oh, it's Jesus. <laughs> you know? Right? I mean, you stop and think, but she was literally living in the suffering, right? And, we, and so many of us don't experience that kind of suffering and, and don't recognize it. And spouses are supposed to resemble each other. Yeah. After how many years of marriage, how many couples, they start looking like each other. They start acting like each other. They start talking like each other. Well, that was certainly the case with Sister Wilhelmina. Well, I hope my wife doesn't look like me. But, <laughs> but we'll see how that goes. I'll, we're 35 years married, so we'll see what happens in another five years But uh, as, it, as it goes. So so she also, we talk about the love, the joy, we talk about the humility. It takes a formidable woman, right? This sister, uh, born in her, circum- her circumstances and rising above everything that she was presented with, again, with the grace of God. Um, was she also a formidable force Did, when sister let it be known that something needed to happen? Well, you know, that was something that was particularly beautiful from our early years. Whenever we would meet as a council or as a community just to discuss the direction in which our community was headed, she always knew exactly what to say in exactly the right way at exactly the right time. And it was always drawing from that long beautifully lived religious experience that she had. She had a religious sense so that she always knew that we're here, you are here, and the destination was Christ, being united to Christ as a spouse. And she, in her brevity, could point the shortest way there uh, in, in so few words, but she always came down right at the right time and say, no, we need to be doing it this way, or you know, I think this is where we're headed as a community. So I would imagine that as um, her time on Earth s- seemed to be coming to a close, and you would sense that, right? I sense that with my mom, and you just, you just sense Definitely. that it's, it's getting ready to happen. Was there any like uh, consternation amongst the sisters, like, what are we going to do now? I mean, if she's been such a formidable force, or did she turn it over really well and... I think she turned it over really well because that's what I was saying earlier about her not being resentment. She had visions of our Lord even when she was a young, a young wow. girl. Her first vision of Our Lady was the age of two or three. She said she was still in her high chair. And oh my she goodness. remembers seeing the Blessed Virgin Mary. That's a grace to remember yes, that. Yes, yes. I don't remember much in my high chair. Uh, yes, and, and there were other instances too, but one I think in particular was on her first communion day, and she never actually spoke about seeing him, but she said he was so handsome, and we said, I think she saw him. But toward the end of her life, that was happening more and more as well. You would open the door, and she would have this expression on her face that she was in another world. And one sister asked her one time, Sister, did you just see the Blessed Mother? Uh-huh. Did she oh. just talk to you? Uh-huh. What did she say? 
and then she would give you this smirk and turn away. She she had to keep it as a secret. But that was the kind of thing that we knew. Her eyes were on her bridegroom, and when the time was coming, she was going to be ready. It sounds like she had a wonderful relationship with her mother-in-law as well. <laughs> but, but she I, sure did. I, I, su- I suppose that you wouldn't mind like giving up your dessert one night just to know what she really saw. And, I mean, just to... Because I know I can sense in the way you're describing that because I'd be going like, please tell me more. I mean, I, I want to have that experience because I have not been visited nope. uh, in any way, shape, or form. However, I have felt a profound uh, sense that something beautiful and supernatural. Uh, the very first time I visited Lourdes and went into the grotto, I mean, because to get to the grotto, you've got to go through all these rosary-selling shops, right? <laughs> Right, I love Lourdes and all that. So you have to go by all the the salespeople, which is it's it's lovely, but still. But it's and you, you, first you check into the hotel after you've had a long flight, and it's all this stuff. And then, but when you get to the grotto, there is this incredible sense of peace. And I've told people, you know, I've never had an apparition, I've never been visited, but I've sensed a presence that is beyond anything that I've ever experienced at Lourdes. I'm going to tell you, sister, something that when I first got here and went into your Abbey Church in the presence of of her body. I just, I felt that there's something profound here. And that's happening over and over again. So many people coming here, even non-Catholics just coming here and they said, I sense God is here. I sense the love of Christ here. And I sense it when I'm in front of Sister Wilhelmina. I sense that she's here. I and sense do that you she's think friendship, a new friend to me. Maybe, maybe a little like Ella is still, <laughs> like her mother is still like <laughs> saying, Sister Wilhelmina, here's another one. Another one's coming in. Let's take care oh, of him too. Definitely. Her mother didn't quit. <laughs> no, that is, that's so beautiful. And something that touches my heart as I'm listening to this, she's having these mystical experiences that she's keeping to herself. And, you know, a husband and a wife in a normal matrimony, it's expected and it's understood that a lot of the most special intimate moments are going to be private and kept private between the husband and the wife. And, in the, and we hear about the... the, the, the you know, this, the interlocutions that some saints have had that they're given to them so that they can proclaim. But I think it's a beautiful sign of like the a hiddenness um, it, within the uh, religious life that sometimes the, the bridegroom and the bride are going to have, you know, these private intimate moments that are just for the two of them. And uh, I'd never really thought about that until I saw that, that described within the context of Sister Wilhelmina. Does that resound with you? And- oh, most definitely. And I think, and that's something that has really been the most profound um, experience that everyone is having with Sister Wilhelmina is that a hidden life is speaks volumes mm. after. I oh, mean, the, amazing. Yeah. The, but, the, but even, I'm going to say this, even though, uh, even in those moments when sisters would see something and realize that, okay, she's in ecstasy or there's, there's she's having a vision or, or being visited or she's having an experience. Um, it's, it's almost like our own little, we, we will have like transfiguration moments like where you, you cannot keep inside you what you're experiencing. So even though she didn't tell you the, the, you know, the dirty details, she didn't tell you all, the, all the, 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 the fine print that you know, Jesus or the Blessed Mother is telling her, you know, which you'd love to have, but you still knew because she can't keep that in, right? She can't keep that joy in. 
It, it has to radiate. It's these glimpses now that we are having of her life. We at, at the beginning we were speaking to her as our, our our buried treasure that we were going to unbury, literally our 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 buried incorruptible, um, pulling her out. But it's not just her body that is incorrupt and was hidden and being dug up as a treasure. It's her whole life now. Is we're realizing what a treasure every aspect of her life is, and it's all coming to light now. Well, so you've been visited, Sister Scholastica, by, by uh, all these, we'll call them strangers, but strangers no more. All these people are just, they're, they're drawn here, right? And me included, right? I'm showing up, and I'd, I'm going to be honest with you. I told Sister uh, Scholastica uh, in the last show that I didn't know who Sister Wilhelmina was, and most people don't. We're talking about this hidden life thing, and yet now um, you have, like, she is still has, and maybe even more profoundly has the 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 opportunity to, to bring more people to Jesus, right, through the Blessed Mother in, in her life. And so as we discover more things about her, I would imagine there's going to be untold treasures that are revealed, right? Is, is, uh, is this what you guys are recalling stories and kind of writing things down to kind of keep them all? No, it's true. And I think that was one of the most beautiful things was to live with her as a sister and now have so many people write and say, I have a new friend, and that's, that's Sister Wilhelmina. She loved the family, and she loves to expand her own family in relation to Christ, her bridegroom. Wow. She, I mean, really, she was definitely a people person. <laughs> she loved people. Although she wasn't too crazy about news reporters. What was that one time? We were at a reception, and there was a reporter doing a story on the event or something, and he came up to her at her table and said, Hi, sister, I'm so-and-so from the such-and-such newspaper. Um, I'm a reporter. Uh, would you um, have some words for me? And Sister Wilhelmina just very calmly looked at him and said, I don't talk to reporters. <laughs> <laughs> so it's pretty safe to say that she wouldn't have been on this show, Sam. I think, I think we, but that's okay because we have you sisters uh, here sharing with us, and we appreciate uh, this opportunity to talk about uh, we'll, Sister Wilhelmine in we'll this way. We'll be your reporters. <laughs> yes, very good, very good. And you'll tell us things that she wouldn't tell us. But it's all coming to light now. But they're so beautiful. Can't hide it anymore. <laughs> beautiful glimpses uh, into her life, and it's so. Uh, it's easy to see now. Uh, you know, it's it's obviously been uh, you know a life difficult at times, but a life well lived, uh, well done, my good and faithful servant, and and, and on all fronts, uh, and how profound that is, and really what an example the world needs now, right? I think there's some beautiful uh, uh, you know divine providence and timeliness to her this revelation that her body is intact in this way. I mean, God raises up saints for each time, and he has a lot to teach us through this hidden life of prayer, this little, little old holy nun that he has raised up to speak to all of us right now. Thank you, Sister Misericordia and Sister Scholastica. We're coming to the end of this show again. Uh, we have so much more to say. So we're, we're doing several more shows here uh, with the sisters uh, at the Benedictines of Mary, Queen of Apostles. And, and this is going to be a, a just more unraveling of these hidden treasures to see uh, here. But let's ask the Blessed Mother uh, to watch over us in this endeavor. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God. Pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes, 
or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.